This night, Caroline entered the DMZ well after dark. Not a smart thing to do, but she didn't care. Let the street scavenger swoop down on her and pick her clean. What the hell did it matter? Two days of rain had given way to a mild heat wave. The temperature climbed into the 80s during the day and didn't cool off much at night. It was still spring, so the heat wasn't too bad, but right now it was probably still above 70, and humidity was fairly high. She liked this kind of weather. The street was a mindless swarm of people and vehicles, flashing colored lights and barking voices, competing blasts of alarms and pounding music, all infused with the stench of weed smoke, spilled alcohol, rotting plants, and burning oil. She heard glass break nearby, an explosion of some kind, a hammering sound, then a loud braying laugh. Someone pawed at her face, and she knocked the hand away. She wanted a drink. She wanted several drinks. But she didn't want to sweat and fight in the bars, so she went without. Traffic was stopped at the intersection ahead, and a crowd was formed in the middle of the street. Feeling reckless, she climbed on the back of a bus stop bench to see what was happening, using a power pole for support. There was a large open space in the middle of the crowd, roughly circular, and inside it there were three men in wirehead cages, bare from the waist up, and all three lightning leashed to their handlers. Caroline thought she recognized the stocky woman handler on the far side of the circle, the one she'd run into two weeks ago on her way to see Tito. The handler was shouting through the head cage at her charge, presumably giving him instructions. The crowd around the three men and their handlers was growing, and people were climbing onto stalled and parked vehicles, sidewalk stands, balconies, anything that afforded a better view. Before long, Caroline's own view would be completely blocked, just as well, she thought. She didn't really want to see this. She knew what was coming. She could already hear the betting begin. The three men were roped together in a kind of circle or rough triangle, fewer than ten feet of rope between each of them. Each man remained leashed to his handler, and the collars around their necks shimmered with electricity. A man in body armor went to each of the head-caged men and slapped dermal patches onto their necks, half a dozen to each, probably crashers, deadeners, and skyrockets. Within minutes, the three men in head cages would be completely wired and crazed. Finally, a set of metal hand claws was strapped onto the right arm and hand of each man. They would tear each other apart. That was enough for Caroline. She climbed down from the bench and pushed into the crowd, working her way toward the buildings until she could get past the intersection. A frenzied roar swelled from the crowd. She knew it had begun. Once past the intersection, the crowds thinned, but the sidewalk was still full and hectic. A man, bleeding profusely from a head wound, staggered toward her, hissing at her as he went by. Two teenage tattoo girls shuffled along a few feet in front of her, arms wrapped around one another, their ponytails laced together with wire webbing. A rat pack, ten or twelve strong, marched steadfastly along the sidewalk, forcing people to move out of its way. Caroline got jammed up against a pokey booth. The gooner inside grinned and breathed a foul, warm stench into her face, nauseating her. Finally, the rat pack swept past. The pressure eased, and she pushed away from the booth. She walked along in a kind of daze, 
hardly paying attention to her surroundings, almost unconsciously fending off the hasslers and pervs. She just didn't feel much of anything. She had been in this numb and dazed state of mind almost constantly since the night Tina had come by. She couldn't shake it. Most of the time she didn't even want to shake it. Most of the time she just didn't care. In the years since the Gould syndrome had been diagnosed, Caroline had thought she'd come to terms with the disease. She knew its activation was inevitable. She knew it was ultimately terminal. And she had thought she'd come to terms with the fear and the dread and the self-pity. Clearly she hadn't. She'd been fooled, it seemed, because in all these years...